So real quick, we're going to do a brief recap, give you a snapshot from last week, and then we'll start working through. So if you were not here, that's okay. Content is online at YouTube, uh, the Clear Creek, just search Clear Creek Church of Christ. You can find the video if you want. But for those of you who were or were not here, we basically had three key takeaways, three key things. First off, we wanted to help everyone know who you are, that your identity is not determined by the fact that you're a parent or a sibling or an employee or any of these other things. Those are great things. But your core identity is that if you are in Jesus, you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. And then that means that you are a disciple. And what we said last week is, I am a disciple who happens to fill in the blank, who happens to be a mom, who happens to be a preacher. I'm not, by the way, I'm not a preacher. I'm a disciple who has the privilege of getting to preach. But being a preacher is not who I am. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ, and so your identity. Then we said, once you know who you are, the reality is when you step across the line and begin to walk with Jesus, you have joined a team. Now there's an opposing team, and the enemy does not like you. He does not want you to win. In fact, it's not simply he wants you to lose a game. He wants to utterly destroy you. And so the stakes are pretty high. But we said from Scripture, 1 John 4, 4, that greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. That we do not make disciples on our own. But the stakes are high. If we don't make disciples, if we're not engaging other people, their eternal souls are at stake. So it's a big deal. So we are disciples. We're in a spiritual battle, and we teased a little bit last week, we're going to talk about what you can do about it, and that's what tonight is going to be all about. But before we do that, I want you to turn to a couple people, yes, we're going to do this three or four times tonight, we're going to get you talking, and so I'm going to invite you to turn to a couple people, and here's the question to answer. I'm going to ask you to answer, let's try that again, here's the question to answer. How does it make you feel, as you thought about this whole idea of being a disciple, What feelings or thoughts do you have from last week's conversation? What feelings or thoughts do you have? What stood out to you? How did it make you feel? This is an open-ended question. Real quick, you've got 60 seconds, maybe 90 if we're nice, but real quick, circle up, share, we're going to talk. Go ahead. How did it make you feel? What are you thinking about it? Takeaways. All right. So somebody share with me, what was a takeaway, a feeling, a thought, something from last week? Uh, what do you have to share? A little more understanding of the get, like what to do. Okay. Like game plan, but have, now we need to know how to do it. So that's what you're, uh, say that that's, that was your feeling from last week, okay. or, okay. Like a little clearer minded of what needs to be done. Okay. No, so a little more clarity maybe? Yeah. Yeah, Good. That's that's encouraging. I hope that's the case for everybody. Good. What else? Challenging. Challenging. Okay. And and how was it challenging? Okay. For the tape and for everyone else who may not have heard that, she said something very, very good. She said in Scripture, the word disciples used a lot, yet we don't use it a lot. We use the word Christian. And Christians only use three times in the New Testament. What's interesting, though, is Christian means little Christ, meaning you are an image of Jesus, a small picture of him. Disciple means a follower, or a word we use today would be you are an apprentice. You're learning to do what the chief, the master teacher, has done and is doing. That's great. I love that. One more person, something from last week. Mr. Bob. The spirit of 
Hey, I like that. Can we give Bob a round of applause? I love that. Okay, well, with that in mind, Jake, um, I, I got nothing, man. Why don't you take it from here? Well, that is amazing. That is an amazing answer because that is literally where we're going right into right now. So, uh, once again, we started to build out a foundation of who we are. Is it working or not working? Hello? Oh. I had some people waving at me. So, this is where we'll be going. Last week, we started to build out a foundation. We do want to get into some practical things tonight. I want you always to know, even as Josh mentioned about spring, coming back to this, Evan, Josh, myself, and others can be available at any time to help uh, if you're going through this, and Evan may have some ideas to help some others along if you're interested in uh, some further things after tonight. But tonight we're going to jump right into uh, some how-tos, but one thing I learned when I was on the mission field, actually from uh, a missionary mentor of mine when we were in Guyana, South America, uh, we were actually getting ready to leave um, Guyana, and I was worried, of course, we had done a lot of work over four years, and it's like we're leaving, you know, what What else do we have to do, what can we do, we've studied with some of these people, what's going to happen, and uh, I remember this missionary saying to us, he said, God was here before you, God was here when you were here, and guess what, God's going to be here after you're gone, so this is God calling in right now, but... Uh, <laughs> The first blank is Bob McGrath. We'll honor him with this. The Holy Spirit goes before you. So if you have any uh, worry about guilt or maybe you're not doing something or maybe you haven't done something, let's get very clear that God is a huge part of this process. The Holy Spirit goes before us. If you will, look at John chapter 6, 44, 45. If you have a cell phone device, you're allowed to use them. Or if you have a Bible, the uh, old school way, either way is fine. But John 6, 44, 45 says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. Who draws them? The Spirit, the Father. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. I think we should take comfort in knowing that God is first drawing people to Him. It is not our job to get in front of God. And so a lot of times we go into a conversation or a relationship and we feel a big burden that we have to know enough to convince somebody that God is this or that. I personally believe the Holy Spirit goes before us. He is working in those people's hearts before we even utter a word. And so I think that's important for us to realize we've got to call the Holy Spirit into this, and the Holy Spirit's already been there. He'll be there when we're there, and He'll be there after we've already been there. God draws people to Himself. We're not called to convict or convince. The Holy Spirit works on that for us. This should take the pressure off of us. It should remove a lot of the guilt for us. And our response, as we're calling the Spirit into it, should be prayer, right? 
Prayer is a great way to call the Holy Spirit into what we're doing. So one of the things we practice um, as my family, and I know Josh's family, we've talked about this, is when we are talking to somebody about Jesus or we're starting to get into that process, even for our neighborhood, we have to saturate it in prayer. We have to be praying on a constant basis for the people that God's put into our orbit, God's put, a, put around us. And so kind of what we want to do is let's talk about some practical ways to pray. Not necessarily talking about the positions here, but if you guys can group up again, maybe two to four people, some creative ways to pray. Maybe it's using your phone as a reminder. Maybe it's a calendar. There's a lot of ways now today that we have access to help us get into uh, being saturated in prayer for somebody or a group or a neighborhood or our nation. So circle up real quick, two to four. Any other comments before we do that? Do it fast. There you go. Okay, hopefully you guys have had a chance to talk about some ways to pray, and you've already been doing that a little bit. Uh, I want to let you know that we do have an extra resource in the office on this that uh, we can give to you. But tonight, what are some ways, because you really, really, this is not just pray once a week for somebody. This is daily in prayer. How do you saturate something in prayer? What are the reminders that you give to yourself? What are some of the things that you guys have come up with in your group? Let's throw them at Vanna Josh over here. That's Vanna White Josh. And he'll take it from here. All right. What do you, what's that? Post-it notes. Yeah, I like that. That's good. Anyone know what a post-it note is? <laughs> Fantastic. Good, good. No, that's, that's excellent. I like that. All right, someone else. Another way. What do you, prayer journal. Yeah, that's good. Anyone else? Just show of hands. Use a journal uh, to remember prayer. Yeah, I think it's great. Good. What else? No, I love that. And I like it. It's not just a time, but you have a time. You, you may not have been able to hear it, but certain uh, latitude portion of the world, there's a heavy number of people who don't know Jesus. And so to set your time, 1002, or whatever the latitude numbers would be uh, for that. So it's a reminder even in the timing. I love that. I love it. One more. What do we got, Katrina? Designated places. Designated places. Give us an example. Car shower. Car- Oh, car and shower. I, I, I was like, look I'm, look, I'm from the south, but I've never even heard of that. It's like you go in, pull the hose pipe into the car. Don't knock it till you try it. Don't knock it till you try it. All right. I love it. Designated places. This is great. All right. Now, here's what I'd like for you to do is look up here. You may have some other that you, uh, that you shared, but if you didn't have one or if these are unique, go ahead and write them down somewhere on your sheet of paper because we're going to invite you before the night is over to adopt one of these for the next season of your life because we want us not to simply talk about it tonight but to begin practicing it tomorrow. All right, what you got? I just want to throw a couple out there. Prayer walk is one. One thing me and Evan learned recently is if you uh, take a calendar and put somebody's name every day, And when you pray for them, text them and let them know that you're praying for them. Or text them before you pray for them and ask them. And that will make a world of difference to them. Uh, Donnie Mitchell was fantastic. He put out on Facebook before, right? And asked for, hey, does anybody have any prayer requests? 
some great ideas out there, saturated in prayer, and you can draw, help draw some people in. That's excellent. That's excellent. Well, we can keep talking about it, but let's move on for time. Recognizing that everything we do is birthed from what the Holy Spirit is doing and has been doing, we now move more confidently into this first block. Now remember, we drew a diamond last week. This is our disciple-making diamond. And the first section, when you are looking to help someone take their next steps with Jesus, the very first one is the word invitation. Invitation. Everybody say invitation. An invitation is simply this. This is our definition of what it means to invite. It's inviting people into the, this is key word, normalcy. The normalcy of your life. Now we didn't make this up. This all comes first and foremost from our Savior Jesus Christ. Now if you read the Gospels, what is the very first thing that Jesus does before doing any ministry? What's the very first thing he does as an adult? You know the Bible? He gets baptized. So first thing, he is Baptized. There's all sorts of reasons. We won't get into it, but if you want to know some of the reasons, join us in a week and a half. We're going to have a baptism class. By the way, this is for anyone who needs to be baptized, is helping someone else take the step of baptism, or has been baptized but kind of wonders, did it work? Am I, am I in? And so we're going to try to answer those questions and help you. But Jesus was baptized, and immediately after his baptism, he begins his ministry. And in John chapter 1, John the forebearer of Jesus, has some of his own disciples, and he sees the Christ and he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. They go, is this the guy we've been waiting for? He's like, yep. They say, peace out, John. That's the NIV Diggs version. And they follow Jesus. When they come to Jesus, they say, Rabbi, teacher, where are you staying? And Jesus says, come and see. What was he doing? He's just inviting them. There's no magic to it. He was inviting. And it is so simple that the very next day he invites another person by the name of Philip. And if you scroll down to John chapter 1 and verse 40, uh, 46 is where the action happens. But a few verses before, Philip, the day he meets Jesus, goes to find Nathaniel. And in verse 46, he says the exact same thing to Nathaniel that Christ said to these other disciples. He says, just come and see. In other words, invitation is so easy, you can do it the day you met Jesus. We make this too difficult, brothers and sisters. So, the very first thing I want you to consider is that this is modeled by Jesus and it's simple enough for us. Now, there's some questions to this. Jake, why don't you walk us through some of the questions? All right. So one thing we wanted to help with tonight is uh, maybe helping you to identify some people uh, to invite. And so one thing we wanted to make uh, clear as well is this could be um, somebody that maybe already knows Jesus or maybe somebody that's getting to know Jesus. There's different levels of discipleship in here. And so one of the first questions still to ask, because this could be, well, I'll, I'll get to the question first. Who is in my orbit or slash circles? And these are questions to identify who you might be, God may be calling you to make a disciple, right? Right. Okay. If 
five questions to identify who to invite or perhaps for you to disciple. We kind of went over that one last last week. We talked about hats a lot. Um, whether you're a school teacher, an accountant, whether you're a small group leader here, uh, these are all different people that are in your orbit. Um, I'm a disciple, but then you fill in the blank. The next question is, who is coming along behind me spiritually? Who is coming along behind me spiritually? So when we think about our spiritual path or the disciple path, people... You know, there's some people that are ahead of us. We call those people our spiritual mentors. There's some people that are walking right where we are, and we would call them our spiritual friends. But then there are some people that may not be quite right where we are. And whether that's in the church or outside the church, those are potential disciples. Something that we can offer to them from our life when we're trying to be a disciple and follow Jesus. They are potential people for us to disciple. Uh, the people we're talking about, uh, inviting to be your disciples, are those who are coming behind you. So we want to be very clear with that here. Uh, can you take this yeah, one, well, Real quick, one thing, I was asked a great question on Sunday. Um, Sunday we talked about wise people walk with wise people. And a, a, just a godly woman in our church said, hey Josh, there's a, there's a woman I've been friends with for years who's not a Christ follower, are you saying I need to stop being friends with this person to be a wise person? I said, absolutely not. So I want to be real clear about this. As Jake just said, there's three different groups of people that you're going to be traveling around or with. Those who are ahead of you spiritually, those can be your mentors, those who walk with you. Those are your uh, spiritual friendships. That's what we were talking about Sunday, by the way. Spiritual friendships, people who are walking with you. But as Jesus, uh, not Jesus, sorry, Jake is talking about... <laughs> You are heavenly. So, uh, but. I'm not going to say anything. Yeah, don't. <laughs> so, as Jake was saying, though, the people we're talking about are those who are somewhere behind you in the spiritual walk. That means they may not yet know Jesus, or they may be early followers, or they may be. You, know, you see where this is. So, I just want to make that distinction. And something else we wanted to make um, clear tonight, too, is this does not necessarily mean they're older than you. Uh, I think a lot of times we always think about discipling somebody younger than us, and I think that's, that's good and that's great. But there are people, when you think about the spiritual path, that sometimes they may be older than us, but we still have something to offer to them. And I think we have to be mindful of that. There's a lot of cases of children praying for their uh, father or mother for many, many years for them to come to Christ. Uh, I know that... Uh, uh, that even from our small group, there was a, a father we prayed for that eventually came came to Christ. So I just want to be be clear that we're not always looking for somebody younger. It's still that orbit. We're still looking in that orbit or our circles. Uh, the next question we have up here is, who is going through a life change? A lot of times you're looking for somebody. You're praying to God to reveal different things to you. But who is going through a life change? And we're going to kind of do an activity right here. But before we get into that, I want to let you know I'm going to pass out a resource to you. I'm going to ask Evan to help uh, as well as you guys are doing this group activity. And then Josh will launch into it. So this is from a partner church of ours. I know Patricia and I think the Rays, um, some of their children have went to this church in Nashville. But it's a fantastic resource for you guys to kind of look through 
as uh, maybe not all tonight, of course, but to look through even after tonight that's really going to help you identify some people in your circles. But who is going through life change? Can you kind of walk us through that? Yeah, so when you're thinking about these five questions, almost think of these as concentric circles. You first say who's around you, who's in your orbit, and then once you've identified all the potential people, then you ask the second question that Jake mentioned, which is who is somewhere spiritually coming along behind you? That's now who you're going to sort of come a little closer to. And then often open doors occur when people are going through seasons of life change, correct? So what I'd like for you to do, again, is because we want you talking with each other. There's a reason we're practicing talking to each other tonight. But we're going to ask you to circle up, talk to two or three other people, and list as many positive or negative life changes that you can think of. As many positive or negative life changes you can think of. You have two minutes. Give us as many as you got. Ready? Go. All right. Let's talk for a moment here. When you think about different life changes that people might go through, good or bad, give me something, a life change for 500. Yes, Bob. New husband or wife, new job. So is is that like the one and the same, new spouse equals new job? Is that what I understand you say? No, no, okay. Just clarifying, Bob, okay. So... New spouse and new job. Good clarifier. All right. What else? Give me a a life change. Relocating. Yeah, anyone else say moving or relocating? Boy, you talk about a life change. Uh, That's a big one. Okay, what else? Can we acknowledge... That sometimes the crises of life are the moments that God uses to save souls. Or at least remind people of the promise they made years earlier. So absolutely, absolutely. So we could say new spouse. We could also say, well, divorce. What's another way that a marriage may come to an end? Well, hold on. What now? (laughs) What was that comment? Or taxes? <laughs> okay, yeah, life change, taxes, absolutely. What you got, Gail? Retirement. Retirement, yeah, very good. What else? Children, empty nest. Sickness. Grandchildren. Todd, would you like Gee, to come take the mic? Kids. <laughs> awesome. Like the mic? Incarceration. The birth of a baby. Anybody else? Death of a child. Oh, yeah. Losing the job. Job loss. That's a good one. Yeah, Bad you know what? Hey, guys, hold on. Did you hear that? I just got to say this. She said baptism. Let's be very clear. The church historically has done a poor job of taking a child of God from the waters of baptism into maturity. Now, we do a pretty good job of tripping them into the pool, don't we? 
But often we treat new believers like we would a newborn. Here's the keys to the car. Here's the checkbook. Good luck. So absolutely. I love that. Baptism's a big one. Okay. Let's do one more. Anyone have something else that we haven't put up here? Or Jake, do you have one, man? Career change, okay. I, I just want to see you write puberty up there. <laughs> All right, here we go. P or youth ministry or E R T Y. Or as Dr. James Dobson pronounces it, puberty. Real story, okay. Now, these are all moments that people are looking for something solid to hold on to, even real exciting things. By the way, there will be people coming to church this next week or sometime this next month or certainly this next year who, because they have children, will say, you know what, I don't know that there's much in it for me, but I want my kids to grow up to be moral individuals. We need to be in church. There will be people you run into at your place of work or elsewhere, and you're going to hear about something that's happened, and that is going to be the moment where the Holy Spirit's going to kind of go, I've been working, you ready? So look for life change if you're looking for disciples to make. What's the next one? I just want to let you know that I discovered that midlife crisis peak is at 47.5, and I have a year and a half to go. So (laughs) I'm not even sure what midlife crisis is yet, but uh, I like to space my children out. Uh, it'll be great when they uh, push you across they as they get their diplomas. It'll be good. All right. Hey, so these life changes, that question. And so back to the five questions to help identify uh, who you might be inviting. So this next one kind of really goes along with this life change a little bit. So what types of conversations are you having? One of the thing about life stages is it causes people to sometimes have a different type of conversation. And so there's kind of a casual conversation you can have, um, a meaningful conversation, or there's kind of a spiritual conversation that you can have. And those kind of all represent uh, different things. And I'm going to ask Josh to kind of talk us through that a little bit. And he's going to kind of share an example uh, with you of something. Really, we had been working on this for a while, but something just happened with him at a luncheon recently that I think will help put this in perspective a little bit. But think a little bit why, why we're, we're just right here. The type of conversation that you're having with somebody. Is it just a casual conversation of facts? Is it a m- meaningful conversation? And maybe it's about feelings, how they feel about something. Or maybe it's a spiritual conversation where they're starting to talk a little bit about what they believe in or their faith. It may not be, Jesus may not be the first answer here, but they're revealing maybe what they believe in. So Josh, can you maybe walk us through an example? So a really cool thing happened this week. Uh, Keith Mosley and I grabbed lunch this week. I love Keith. Any of you like Keith Mosley pretty well in here? Natalie does. I've got one right over here. Fantastic. (laughs) That that was low-hanging fruit, wasn't it? (laughs) So Keith and I, we grabbed lunch this week, and uh, as we're eating, our, our uh, well, what's the PC name for people who serve you? Our server? Anyway, um, she came over, and Keith, I love him, he, he said, hey, we're going to pray, and uh, anything we can pray about for you. 
And it was one of these cool moments where we, and this doesn't happen all the time, but we got to see all five of these questions answered in one conversation. And we went through all three levels of conversation as well, from casual to meaningful to spiritual, in about one minute. It was incredible. Let me walk you through this. So we were in our orbit, in our sphere. We were at a restaurant. That's where we were, correct? In that, we began to see someone who may or may not be behind us. We don't know, but there's the next question. Then... Who's going through life change? So he asks the question, hey, what can we pray about? Great open question. She says, well, yes, you can pray for me. It just so happens that I'm getting married this Saturday. Fantastic. What's the new last name? She says, Angel. We said, that's awesome. So she is now going to be Angel. That's her last name. So now we know life change. Something's happening. So it's circling further. Chances are she may be more open to more than just praying for her. So then the next thing is what kind of conversation? Well, it started casual. Well, so uh, what's your husband-to-be's name? What's it? So she gave us the fact. Then it went a little deeper. Well, what does he do? All oh, he does this. Uh, is, is it going well? Yes, it's going great. He loves his job. That's a feeling statement, meaning it's more meaningful than just a fact, casual. We then asked her, well, what do you want to do? Do you plan to continue serving? And she said, yeah, I, you know, it's okay, but I'd really like to. In fact, and she started to share with us her dreams, the emotion, the feeling. So it went from casual to meaningful in less than 20 seconds. Now we're coming closer. We then pray together. And then the question, she says, that means so much to me. I've been a little anxious about this, but I believe that, you know, that it's going to be okay. And so we began to ask questions about, well, what do you believe? What are you holding on to? Where do you find hope? In one minute, and this doesn't happen all that often, but in one minute, by the grace of God, we got to walk through this. And and, and again, it was because of Keith asking a great, simple question. And she was eager and open to talk to us because of some of these fact-finding questions and process. Does that make sense? Okay. So just kind of even talk about that a little bit more, like we try to talk to our neighbors in our neighborhood, Uh, our neighbor to the right, uh, spiritual conversation, uh, their believer happened very quickly. We have a a neighbor across the street. It took probably three, four years to go through this, this process uh, with them. We have a neighbor to the the left. Uh, I know exactly what they uh, feel about politics and their feelings on that and that's kind of where we're stuck at the moment Uh, welcome to america (laughs) there you go but there's different people that you're working with and you have these conversations but guess what when a life change happens then that can click right to the next thing of having the deeper conversation and if you guys have been in small group for uh some time with some people you've seen people work through this right you have new people come into your group and it takes four months for them to get out of the uh, casual conversation place. And then they kind of move into the meaningful where, hey, this is how I feel about it. And then, you know, after a while, they start to go into the spiritual and you're like, where were they hiding? And so it does take time sometimes. But, you know, once again, in all these situations, we feel like the Holy Spirit is working. I feel like the Holy Spirit was working in Josh and Keith's lunch, right? God's already been drawing that person. God's drawing people. We're just asking these questions to help identify who God's already drawing. So this next one is, and we kind of touched on this a little bit, is who seems to be eager or open to conversation. So if we go back to that, the Holy Spirit's already working. 
God's drawing people, and we're going through these different questions, and we come down to this last question. Who is eager or open that should be somebody that we're looking to invite into the normalcy of our life? That's great. So let's move on. Our time's tight, so we're going to move quickly here. Normalcy. What is normalcy? Normalcy, you may want to write this down, includes two things. It includes the places you go, and I bet you can fill the rest in, and the things you do. The places you go and the things you do. Now, this is really, really important. In just a moment, I'm going to prime the pump here. In a moment, we're going to circle back up again, and I want you to come up with as many places and things you do in any given week. And I want you to think about all the activities of life, okay? But as you're processing that, one thing I want to say is normalcy is not primarily, when you say I'm going to invite someone into the normalcy of life, that does not, does not, does not primarily mean inviting them to a church service. That can be part of it, but we want to think bigger than just saying come to church with me, for we do not come to the church, we are the church, Right, church? So, normalcy is not primarily inviting people to church. So, I want you to circle up one more time, very quickly. You've got a minute and a half. List as many things that you do in a week and places you go in a week. Ready? Begin. Just a couple of seconds left. Just a couple of seconds. Hey, I want to just do something, tell you something. When we train our missionaries, I know Bobby and Roy could speak into this. One of the things we actually tell our missionaries is, hey, we're not necessarily looking for you just to report on what's happening on Sunday. A lot of people like to do that. We tell them, we want you to report to us what you're doing the other six days of the week. And I think that's kind of some of this here that we're going to get into. Yeah, so real, let's, uh, let's hear. What's your normalcy look like? What's something you do or place you go? Leonard, what you got? Go to the gym. Go to the gym. I can tell that you work out. Some people's normalcy is not the same as others. <laughs> I'm just going to put that up. All right, gym. Good. What's another normalcy? A homeless camp. Homeless camp, did you say? Okay. That's great. That's great. All right, I heard something over. Yeah, Martha? Carl's Restaurant. Carl's Restaurant. I've been there. Anyone else? All right, Carl's. All right. Okay, where else? Grocery store. I like that. Good. Yeah. Good. Hey, uh, let me let's let's shift it for a moment here. This is all good, Depot. This is all good. These are places. What are some things you do though? Go. Don't take someone there, okay? That no, no. Okay, go to bed. Okay, what, what do we got? Yeah. That's why they hike so much. They can come to the fish fry. Then I get it. No, that's good. What else? What Evan? <laughs> All right, golf. Hey, what about a little closer to home? Let's, let's now, let's draw our thinking not outside the four walls of our home. What are the things you do in your home? Because you spend a lot of time there, don't you? Clean? Hey, how would you like to have some disciples who help you clean? <laughs> okay, so, okay, but clean, right? 
Garden, yeah. And by the way, Flory Grant, if you want to know how to garden, come see Flory. But yeah, garden. What else? I'm sorry? Meals. Don't underestimate the power of having someone in your home for a meal. What is Jesus constantly doing in the Gospels? He's eating. In fact, the accusation against him was, well, John, he was this way, but Jesus, you're, you're eating and drinking like a crazy glutton drunk. And he goes, okay, come on over and let's eat, right? Okay, so eating, yeah. What's another thing? Hey, I, I just want to talk about a little normalcy in my house um, as a crying two-year-old. Crying two-year-old, okay. Uh, and talking about not being a perfect parent, I'll go ahead and put that out there. So we were out to eat the other day with some people, and my two-year-old climbs under the table with the phone and watches YouTube Kids. Hey. Is that, that normal? That's what, that's what exactly. you're going to get in the Hendrix uh, family. But, but, so. So, so think about this for a moment here. The greatest, one of the greatest hindrances to inviting people into the normalcy of your life is this issue. Normal is not always perfect, is it? Uh, Ladies, do any of you or gentlemen fold clothes? Do laundry? My wife is, I mean, she's constantly on recycle, right? She's just constantly doing. So here's the thing. If you are going to invite someone into the normalcy of your life, they're going to see you folding laundry, which means your house is not completely clean. Guess what? You don't get points for a clean house when it comes to disciple making. You get points for disciple making. So, And it's good for your disciple to see those things, to see that you have clothes on your couch that need to be folded, uh, because that's what normal looks like. We're not perfect, and being a disciple means we're not perfect. It means that we just believe in Jesus, and he'll take care of us. So here's the third point. You can't be perfect. You can't be perfect and invite people into the normalcy of your life. You, you can't do it. Small group leaders, quick challenge. Next time your group shows up, don't clean the house other than for the toilets. Clean the toilets, please. Otherwise, let them see what life looks like. Give them permission to be normal themselves. And then commission them to invite other people in. One of the great hindrances that we have is people think they've got to have a certain status, size, or a look of the space before they can have people over. And we end up missing opportunities that God is giving us, don't we? So inviting people into the normalcy of life, once you have asked the questions, who around me might God be drawing that he wants me to make the invitation, the questions we've addressed, the kinds of conversations, this is what normalcy looks like. So for instance, if we invite friends over, hey, if the kids are not down to bed yet and we're supposed to meet at such and such time, The fridge is yours. I'm putting my kids down. We're still going to sit and read a couple stories together because that's normal for us. Okay? Does this make sense? And and Del and Lisa do a fantastic job of inviting the college kids into their house on a regular basis and doing that. If you haven't been there, they will welcome you in there. Uh, I've been there myself. They feed you. Even if they don't have enough to feed you, it starts multiplying. Lisa finds something, and it happens. I've witnessed it. You guys do a fantastic job of that. We're going to shift now, and we want to end where we began. Remember we said the Holy Spirit goes before us, and the way that we respond is in prayer. And so as we did last week, Evan is, uh, as the discipleship minister, he's going to walk us through some prayer time. 
And don't be alarmed, he's going to prompt you throughout. And so I'm going to invite you to go ahead, close your eyes, get comfortable. And we're going to take a few minutes to pray to God. All right, everybody uh, good and comfy? Good deal. I mean, how cool is it that we get to come before the Savior of the world and the creator of the universe? I mean, honestly, anytime we want to. It's a really neat thing. Uh, So as we do that tonight, uh, everybody take a deep breath. Try as much as we can to clear our minds of all the craziness that we have. And let's go to the creator. God, we love you and we thank you. And we are so blessed to be your creation. God, we know that you are working, that the Trinity is working in our lives. So, Father, right now, we want to thank you. Let's take time to thank God for inviting us into the normalcy of his life. As we move from the Father to the Son, let's take a few minutes to thank Jesus for the example that we have of how to invite others into our lives. Finally, with the Holy Spirit, let's thank the Spirit for going before us and preparing the hearts of those we are about to invite. We know that it's not our job to convict or convince. And so now let's ask God to reveal all the people who are in our spheres that he is already drawing to himself. And whether he reveals those people to us now or over time, let's now ask God to be able to know which people he has prepared specifically for us. As we've done a couple times already, let's go to God right now just with all the feelings that we have, good or bad, about how to invite people and what it looks like to invite people, but Take a few minutes to just have an honest conversation with God about how you feel. And finally, of all those thoughts and ideas, if there are any concerns or fears that you have, pray to the creator of the universe that he can replace that with confidence and peace. God, we give all this to you, all our fears and concerns. God, help us to see ourselves first as disciples and let everything else fall into place. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Okay, Evan, thank you. Well, I hope this has been helpful. Let me tell you where we're going from here. All we covered tonight, and I know some of you wish we would keep going, but we're going to honor the two-week commitment that we asked you to give to us. We're going to have our next training later in the spring. All we covered this evening, really, is this circle right here, this one spot, invitation. We still have three more, but here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Here's your next steps. One, when we firm up the dates of the training, commit to be here. Number two, go ahead and pray, as we did tonight, for those that are around you, that God wants you to bring along, that he'll show you and he'll help you. Number three, We're going to ask you to start practicing the two things we did here tonight. Practice 
Um, the conversations, try deepening them. One of the best ways to do that is if you're in a small group, uh, well, go deeper than what you have before. Move from fact questions and comments to feelings and then to faith statements. See if you cannot go deeper in those conversations and invite people into the normalcy of your life. Again, I just encourage you, you have someone over to your house, say, just come on over. I'm not cleaning up, but you come and we'll have time together. Let's become comfortable with that so that we're better suited for the moments when God brings to us the people he's wanting us to lead into further faith. Guys, we love you. I hope this has been helpful. You are dismissed.